everyone, and welcome to another episode of The Life of David and Me. My name is Jonathan Chan. I'm so glad that you can join me today as we continue to explore the life of David and how his life can teach us on how to grow closer to God. Now, before we begin, let's start off with a video clip and we'll be right back. Who am I, Kylie? Who, how? What now? Why a fox? Why not a, a horse or a beetle or a bald eagle? I'm saying this more as like existentialism, you know? Who am I? And how can a fox ever be happy without a, uh, you'll forgive the expression, a chicken in its teeth? I don't know what you're talking about, but it sounds illegal. Here, put this bandit hat on. Who am I? Have you asked this question lately? <laughs> you must be asking though. Wait, what? Uh, John, why are you asking such a question to yourself? Uh, you might be saying, you're such a confident person, a person who knows himself and knows what he's capable of and not capable of. Why would you ask such a question to yourself, John? Shouldn't that question be for those who are not confident or self-conscious or have low self-esteem? I disagree. I think this question should be asked from time to time by everyone, including myself, especially as we approach Christmas. It's a good question to pause, reflect, recap, and see what's presented to us to culminate everything and see what God has in store for each of us for the future and how, in light of Christmas, how Jesus' arrival informs that future. I ask this question to myself from time to time along with prayer because I believe if we are living organisms, i.e. we continue to grow, whether it be upward, outward, or sideways, we adopt, we evolve. We don't stay the same. We're not the same year after year. And if you're like me who is getting older, Unfortunately, it's highly noticeable. Here, here's what I mean. Each year, there's always an additional area in my body that aches. I never knew that there's certain muscles exist until I turn a year older. I have one additional allergy. Uh, the most recent one was, I believe it was gluten. Who knew? So there goes my dim sum. A few dozen whiter hairs are on my head. I do notice those as well. Now, for some of you, it, it, it could be less hair. So my deepest condolences. Um, I have hair growing where I don't want, like inside my ears and nose. What I'm saying is that we are always growing, evolving mentally, physically, and hopefully spiritually, i.e. growing closer to God. And by asking this question of, who am I? It helps us to recap, reflect, and culminate where we've been and evaluate how much we've grown or not. Today, as we look at chapter 5 of 2 Samuel, how did David realize that he was growing? I.e., in verse 10, 
David realized he's growing strength upon strength and how he, in verse 12, realized that the Lord had confirmed him as king over Israel and had blessed his kingdom for the sake of his people, Israel. As we celebrate another Christmas, here's a question that to ask all of us. Have you grown in 2021 since the last Christmas of 2020? Grown as in growing closer to God and becoming more Christ-like. How do you know? Let's begin. Starting with 2 Samuel chapter 5, verse 1. Then all the tribes of Israel went to David at Hebron and told him, We are your own flesh and blood. In the past, when Saul was our king, you were the one who really led the forces of Israel. And the Lord told you, quote, You will be the shepherd of my people Israel. You will be Israel's leader. So there at Hebron, King David made a covenant before the Lord with all the elders of Israel, and they anointed him king of Israel. David was 30 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 40 years in all. He had reigned over Judah from Hebron for seven years and six months, and from Jerusalem he reigned over all Israel and Judah for 33 years. The tribes of Israel reminded David what the Lord said to David many years ago while David was still a teenager. Quote, you will be the shepherd of my people, Israel, and you will be Israel's leader. End quote. How did David know that he's growing closer to God? Well, to me, there are two notable things that I've noticed as I was studying through life of David. One is his journaling. Now, it's not your traditional journaling, I don't think. I think for David, his journals come through his psalms, his psalms that we read in the Bible. When he writes these psalms, he frequently reflects upon himself and asks himself where he's at with God. Where is he at with his relationship with God? Second, though, I notice as I read through David, is that he frequently listens to his people whether it be his misfits of 600 men or, in general, the people of Israel or the prophets like Samuel and Nathan later on. David listens to his people as to whether he's growing or not. So through his journaling, in his psalms, and through his people. Okay, how about myself? I don't journal religiously like my wife does every morning, nor do I write psalms because I'm just a horrible songwriter. But I do make notes in my Google Keep app on my phone. I take notes of things that I want to remember, such as interesting scripture passages that really hit me during that time. Uh, while I'm walking, doing those nature walks in the backyard, epiphanies that God has shown me through my walks, uh, or ideas and imaginations that just come into my head that I thought, man, I should keep that and just note it. Or moments where God spoke to me through dreams, and some of them are weird. Or he spoke to me through my failures and struggles. I take notes of all these. I put them all together. And to tell you the truth, I believe that through these notes, God speaks to me about who I am and where I am at in my relationship with him. Like, why do I keep these notes? It's because I can revisit them 
and remind myself where I've been, but most importantly of who I am and how I am growing. And if I am growing, whether it be mentally, existentially, and most importantly, spiritually, i.e. more Christ-like. And like David, I also have people around me who drop in and ask how I am doing. Now, not just anybody. I mean those who really, really know me. And those especially who I don't really see often. I usually just see them once a year or when they drop in. I don't talk to them frequently enough. I find those folks are very valuable to meet with. Why? It's because previously uh, in our meetings, I would share with them what God has spoken to me about, how he has spoken to me of who I am, where I'm at. Then a year or two later, they drop in and ask how I'm doing. And man, the time that I spend with them, because they know me so well, I would share with them where I'm at now and how uh, God has spoken to me now. And through their observations of me, of who I have become and my personality, they would give me an honest critique and sometimes rebuke as to where I am at. They would actually tell me how much I've grown or not grown. And that's why I believe through these this passage that we just explored, there are two notables of keeping a journal and listening to people. David had both. Okay, let's move on. Verse 6. David then led his men to Jerusalem to fight against the Jebusites, the original inhabitants of the land who were living there. The Jebusites taunted David, saying, You'll never get in here. Even the blind and lame could keep you out. For the Jebusites thought they were safe. But David captured the fortress of Zion, which is now called the city of David. On the day of the attack, David said to his troops, I hate those lame and blind Jebusites. Whoever attacks them should strike by going into the city through the water tunnel. That is the origin, origin of the saying, the blind and the lame may not enter the house. So David made the fortress his home and he called it the city of David. He extended the city, starting at the supporting terraces and working inward. And David became more and more powerful because the Lord God of heaven's armies was with him. Blind and lame. That's what stuck out for me in this passage. For those of you out there who may know their Bibles quite well, where have you seen this phrase in scripture? This phrase is in both the Old Testament, especially in the prophets, and the New Testament, especially when Jesus talks about the Pharisees, Sadducees, and the temple priests. This phrase is used metaphorically to describe the times when God's people abandoned him, when God's people turned away from him and started to worship idols. They were called blind and lame because they, knew they no longer trusted in God or obeyed him, but would rather go their own way, which led to catastrophic consequences. Jesus, as I mentioned, identified the temple priests, Sadducees, and Pharisees the same way and warned his disciples not to follow the blind and the lame. Here, David calls out the Jebusites as the blind and the lame. Were they literally blind and lame? No, but they were blind and lame spiritually. Why? Well, news about David's growing strength upon strength and how God is with him have been spreading like wildfire throughout the known world. We know this later on because even King Hiram of Tyre 
knew about David and how God has been with David. So for the Jebusites to taunt David, they were not only taunting David, but they were also taunting God. They were so prideful and confident that their walls can hold off David and God that they were blind and lame because of it. Basically, they were stupid to think that their own ingenuity can defeat David and God. So how does this apply to us today? Well, after I said that I believe it's important to keep notes and be observant and be alert in what God is doing in my life and what he has revealed to me, and after hearing from godly friends who not only remind me of who I am, where I've started, and revealed to me where I am now, and by the way, whether I'm growing or not, and as I mentioned, sometimes they do this as a critique and maybe even a rebuke, it's hard to do sometimes to make the choice of acting on it. See, when I receive their critique and feedback and rebuke, when I culminate all the notes that I've taken, I have a choice to make, right? Either listen and act on what God has revealed and said to me, uh, i.e. trust and obey him, or ignore him and go on my merry way. It's very tempting and very easy to ignore and go on my merry way. Because change is difficult, especially when God tells us to change a habit, change a lifestyle, ooh, and change a partner, change a career, change a behavior, and especially stuff that we just don't want to do. Whether it is because we don't have time, or the energy, or the willpower. However, if we ignore God, not only will we not grow to fully become the person God has created us to be, but we will become more blind and more lame in hearing God's voice. See, the more times we ignore his voice, the less we can recognize his voice and the less we grow closer to him. Let's move on. Verse 11, then King Hiram of Tyre sent messengers to David along with cedar, timber, carpenters, and stonemasons, and they built David a palace. And David realized that the Lord had confirmed him as king over Israel and had blessed his kingdom for the sake of his people, Israel. After moving from Hebron to Jerusalem, David married more concubines and wives, and they had more sons and daughters, which proved to be detrimental, by the way, in the future. These are the names of David's sons who were born in Jerusalem. Shamua, Shobab, Nathan, Solomon, Ebar, Elushua, Nephe, Japhia, Elishma, Eliada, and Elephalat. I made it. I did it. News traveled near and far about David and how the lords of heaven's armies have been with him. But David has not fully come to grips that he's officially king until there were tangible provisions from God through King Hiram of Tyre, who, by the way, sent cedar timber, carpenters, and stonemasons to build David a palace. Wow! A palace in Jerusalem! Remember, Saul's palace was still in northern Israel, and that's completely kaput now. So David wanted to unite the two Israels together, both the south and the north. 
And what better way is to just make the palace slap dab in the middle, which was Jerusalem. That's why it was important for David to take the city, by the way. Now that God has given him the city of Jerusalem by conquering the Jebusites, what else does David need in order to be king? It was a palace, and David, and, and God provided it for David. David didn't have the resources to, to build a palace. God provided him the resources to build a palace through King Hiram. Wow! Tangible evidence of God's provision. What can we learn here? Well, for me, I've learned that God can provide spiritual evidence that he's with us, and he can also provide with practical and tangible evidence that he's with us. Not only that, he can also speak to us both in the spiritual sense through his Holy Spirit, but he can also speak to us in the most practical and tangible ways like providing for us. This is where taking a journal or taking notes throughout our Christian journey is so important. Sometimes when God provides us with practical and tangible provisions, they can be so subtle that we don't even notice them. And because we don't notice them, we forget or quite frankly, ignore them. And by doing so, ignore God's voice and guidance. It's unfortunate, but often true that we tend to remember the losses and sufferings more than God's provisions. We turn to God when we experience suffering, but when it comes to our day-to-day -day provisions, we forget. When it comes to success, promotions, career, etc., granted, we give thanks to God for sure at that time, but soon after, we forget. Maybe because we become complacent or discontent or jealous that others are getting something we aren't getting. Whatever it is, we tend to forget about God's provisions. And because we do, we neglect to ask God why he provided them in the first place. And because we neglect to ask why, we neglect his guidance so that we can, and so that we can grow. Hence, it's important to give thanks every day in our prayers, to give thanks and take notes of to, as to what God has provided for us so that we can be sensitive to his voice and so that we can be led by him and so that we can continue to grow closer to him. Let's move on. Verse 17. When the Philistines heard that David had been anointed king of Israel, they mobilized all their forces to capture him. But David was told they were coming, so he went into the stronghold. The Philistines arrived and spread out across the valley of Rephaim. So David asked the Lord, Should I go out to fight the Philistines? Will you hand them over to me? The Lord replied to David, Yes, go ahead. I will certainly hand them over to you. So David went to Baal Parazan and defeated the Philistines there. The Lord did it, David exclaimed. He burst through my enemies like a raging flood. So he named that place Baal Parazan, which means the Lord who burst through. Philistines had abandoned their idols there, so David and his men confiscated them. But after a while, the Philistines returned again, spread out across the valley of Rephaim. And again, David asked the Lord what to do. Do not attack them straight on, the Lord replied. Instead, circle around behind and attack them near the poplar trees. When you hear a sound like marching feet in the tops of the poplar trees, be on the alert. 
When you hear a sound, oh, I'm sorry. That will be the signal that the Lord is moving ahead of you to strike down the Philistine army. Sorry, my eyes just went cross-eyed. So David did what the Lord commanded, and he struck down the Philistines all the way from Gibeon to Gezer. Let me show you another video clip before we go on. I think it's time for me to give us a pep talk and explain some things. A very long time ago... May I have a word with you privately? Well, we're in a hole here. Just where... on the other side of this mineral deposit. Follow me. I'm going to lose my temper now. When? Right now. Well, when? <laughs> Twelve fox years ago, you made a promise to me while we were caged inside that fox trap that if we survived, you would never steal another chicken, turkey, goose, duck, or squab, whatever they are. And I believed you. Why? Why did you lie to me? Because I'm a wild animal. You are also a husband and a father. Remember how Mr. Fox asked his friend, who am I, in the beginning of my talk? Mr. Fox thought to be that in order to be happy, he should live the way he felt. That's the way to be happy, right? To go back and being a wild and free animal, namely a fox. He believed that that would make him happy because, hey, he is basically being himself. And in order to be happy is to be himself. I'm born this way. I will only be happy if I do what I'm born to do. In this scene though, his wife Felicity, Mrs. Fox, aka Mrs. Fox, gave him a completely different perspective through a smack in the face. She said, time to grow up. Time to let go of what you think will make you happy and start thinking about others. For myself, that's the hardest part in growing up spiritually i.e. growing closer to God. It's holding onto myself and what I believe will make me happy rather than growing up and considering others first, i.e. less selfish. The Philistines held idols, a lot of them. These idols were not just idols of the Philistines. These idols were commonly used by all cultures around them, including the Israelites. Remember Rachel? These idols, like Baal, represented mediums to help people get what they wanted, whether it is prosperity, good harvest, or fertility. The reason why people worship these idols is because they believe these idols will help them get what they want and help them to be happy. David, after defeating the Philistines, confiscated them and in some translations, destroyed them. Was David tempted to keep these idols? Of course, was tempted to keep those idols, but he didn't. Instead, he chose to destroy them and trust and obey God and removed any temptation of selfishness. He removed any temptation of quick happiness. Instead, he was selfless. He destroyed the idols, protected his Israelites from toying with these idols so that they can remain faithful to God. What idols have you been counting on for your personal happiness? You see, they don't need to be statues and it might not involve superstition, but it can come in many forms. And all it takes to discern whether these things are idols or not is to ask ourselves who these idols serve. Me or God? If these things serve me, 
my needs and my desires as opposed to serving God, then I have an idol. Sometimes even good things that we think are harmless, such as things that might equip us to be better in our jobs, like training, for my case, uh, PD, PD courses, uh, professional development courses, for some of you who may not know, or even career counseling. It, it could sir, it be a good thing, but if it only serves us and does not bless others or God and God, then it's becoming an idol. Now, I'm not saying to utterly destroy career counseling or professional development courses because I'm taking one for that matter. What I am saying is to take some time and reflect on what you're doing and why you're doing it and whether it's just for you or is it to bless others and God. To conclude, how do we know if we're growing, if we're growing closer to God? Well, it's important to ask ourselves this question, who am I? And in order to do that, if, you're in, if we're not doing it already, it is to take notes and journalize. Start now. To be aware of what God is doing in our lives and in the lives of others around us. To listen to godly friends and act on their godly advice. As we do, we draw closer to God because we become more familiar with his voice. The more familiar with his voice, the closer we are. We are also to remove our idols. The more selfless we are, the more Christ-like we become. The more aware of, of who these idols serve, the more aware of where our faith is in God is at. And the more aware, we, aware of where our faith in God is at, the more we grow and become more familiar of who we are. Amen. Thank you.